Welcome to The Table Podcast, where we discuss issues of God and culture. Brought to you by Dallas Theological Seminary. Welcome to The Table Podcast, where we discuss issues of God and culture. My name is Kimberly Cook, and I'm the Assistant Director at the Hendricks Center. And today, we're going to be continuing our tour around the world of churches and our brothers and sisters in Christ and hearing what they're rejoicing in and what they're weeping over. And we are stopping today in Haiti. And we are joined by Christian Jackson, who's here with me in studio. So thank you for being here, Christian. Hello, hello. Thanks so much for having me. Yes. Grateful to be here. And Christian is the uh, founder and executive director of Why Not Missions. Yep. And he is currently a DTS student in yes. the THN program, yep. which is I am. a challenge. It is. It is. But it's <laughs> but a great. good one. Yep. It's been a blessing. <laughs> And Dukins is actually a, um, an alum of DTS. This uh, Dukins Saint Far is the dean of students and uh, a professor at the Evangelical Theological Seminary of Port-au-Prince. And he, um, he when did you graduate, Dukins? I graduated in summer 2021. Okay, I was going to say I thought it was really soon. It was not very long ago. No, not very long. So I have around six months and eighteen. Okay, fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining us here, Dukins. We really appreciate your time. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Ab- absolutely. So just to get us rolling, I think it would be great for everybody listening to hear the work that you both ha- are doing and, and have done in Haiti and specifically where you're located and, you know, kind of orienting all of us to <laughs> your work in the country of Haiti. And then we'll talk about the actual country a bit uh, in a bit broader sense in a little bit. But um, Dukins, why don't you start us? Where are you located and what work do you do in Haiti? Okay, currently I'm living in the capital of Haiti, which is Port-au-Prince. And I work as a dean uh, for students at the Evangelical Theological Seminary of Port-au-Prince. So step seminary for short. And I teach as a full-time professor. My wife and I, we host a radio show. It's an evangelical, I would say, uh, broadcast about the family. It was in uh, 19 radio stations. Some of them are in the USA and others in Haiti. So since we came back, we don't start recording yet. But the place where I am now is the place that we are trying to set up in order to continue to record the broadcast. Um, And I am involved in discipleship. My wife and I, it's our pleasure to have the students at home. Mm -hmm. We have uh, fellowship with them, we eat together, we visit with them in their ministries, and we we go in order to to support in the sense that we we speak for them at conferences and so on. So, yeah. So the big picture is is this. And what specifically do you teach? I teach, I'm teaching now Daniel and Revelation. Okay. I teach as well uh, church administration and soteriology. Okay, fantastic. Wow, so the gamut. <laughs> you you <laughs> teach a lot. <laughs> yeah. All right, Christian, let's turn to you. What, where... Do you work? Obviously, you're not currently located in Haiti, <laughs> but where do you work in Haiti, and um, and what work do you yeah. do there? Uh, so we are in Cap Haitian Haiti, which is in the northern part of the island, the the, 
second largest city in uh, Haiti. Um, and so I started Why Not uh, in Oklahoma State out of a nonprofit management class mm. uh, at the ripe age of 20 uh, with really no idea what we were doing. Um, and so it started out as sport camps. Uh, so we were doing sport camps all throughout uh, different villages in the north um, to what it is today. It's now an integral ministry approach um, as far as we have schools, we have English schools, uh, livestock exchange, pastoral training, um, and we also have microfinance um, in an English school. And so uh, every village that we're a part of, we partner with the local church and with the pastors to really build up um, the church there and work alongside of the church. Um, but also, you know, of uh, we have a Haitian team in Haiti. And so uh, the reason I'm able to do this here and be here today is because we have an excellent, excellent uh, team in Haiti that's uh, completely Haitian run. So uh, the ministry is continuing every single day uh, because of our great team in Haiti. Now, are you Haitian by descent? I'm not. I get asked that all the time. <laughs> Uh, I wish I was Haitian because I feel like it would make it easier sometimes. Um, but no, I'm not Haitian. Maybe one day uh, I'll find that down uh, the line or something like that. But no, no Haitian blood that I know of. So what what led you specifically yeah, uh, to so the, in that country? Yeah, the first time I ever went to Haiti uh, was in 2015 on a short-term mission trip. Uh, literally had no idea uh, what we were going to be doing. Um, no idea really what a mission trip was. I just saw it at church and I thought this is something I can do on spring break and sure I'll go. Um, but really felt every emotion, um, of the, out of all the facts and statistics about Haiti, uh, the thing that is the most jarring to me and that, uh, just makes me sit down every single time is that it's only 90 minutes South of Miami. Um, 90 minutes out of Miami, and it's a completely different world. And so I felt every emotion, sadness, frustration, anger, joy, and hope um, of that. This doesn't have to be this way. Um, and so felt all those emotions and thought, okay, there has to be something that I can do. So changed my major nonprofit management, and then that's how I started it. So, yeah. Fantastic. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about the country itself, just so that the people listening I'm, I'm going to be honest, I don't know that I personally know a lot about mm. Haitian history. And so that means that probably a lot of the other uh, people who are listening might not be familiar. So let's uh, just talk to me first. And Christian, maybe you can start us out here. Talk to me first a little bit about the population, yeah. um, just the size and what is the makeup? Are there different For sure. groups? Yeah. What does it look like? So Haiti is about the size of Maryland. Uh, there's 11 million people um, and 51% of the population is under the age of 25. Um, so it's a very young country. Um, and the reason it's young is because um, of the healthcare system of what are we going to do after that and, and how are we really developing the adults of if we don't have the adequate health supplies and things like that. Um, and so Haiti was also, you know, another really cool fact is that um, it's the first uh, freed uh, slave country um, in the world. And so it's the first uh, successful rebellion from the French. Um, and so from there, they have just built um, the country. And, and another thing that I have to add, and um, it would be, uh, really troublesome not to mention is that there is a tax that the French put on the Haitians um, in the 1820s. Um, that was 90 million at the time, which is now up upwards to, in today's money, $21 billion that they had to pay. And so that is where you see a lot of that um, poverty coming from, is mm. that they did not finish paying that tax until 1947. Um, and so having to continue to pay that money, continue to pay that money, which is what we see a lot of the poverty stemming from today. Interesting. A lot. I know. Sorry. No, I threw wow. a lot at you right there. No, that's all right. Uh, Dukins, what else would you like to add with regard to the population and the makeup of the Haitian people? 
I think that uh, Christian said it all, almost all. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I would like only to add that Haiti is uh, so small. It is 24 times smaller than Texas. Mm. And we, we are located very, very, uh, I would say, close to Florida. So as you said, 90 minutes, so less than 700 miles away. And we share the same island with the Dominican Republic. Mm -hmm. And we are the western side. They are the eastern side. And there is a huge difference between the Dominican Republic and Haiti. Actually, I've never been there, but I heard about them and I see what they are doing on TV, a lot of things. So this day and night difference doesn't make sense. Doesn't mm -hmm. make sense. So it's a very uh, challenging situation for people that are living in the country right now. And, and the language situation, it, I'm assuming French is at least part of it. Is, mm. is it solely French or what other languages are present? Yes, we speak, we speak French and Creole. I would say we speak Creole and French because okay. Creole is spoken by everyone in the population, but 90 percent people speak Creole and around 10 percent speak French okay. and people that speak French they are educated if you are not educated it's it will be difficult for you to speak French mm -hmm. even people who are educated most of I mean some of them don't speak French because it's a difficult language so you need to grow up speaking French in order to speak it fluently there is uh, I would say a few exceptions but in general, that's the way it is. But there's another thing that I need to add. French is a, a prestigious language and hate. So if there's a prestigious ceremony, you don't speak French, it lacks something. Hmm. So that's the way it is here. And in some places, if you go, you don't speak French, they will not take you too seriously. Um, so that's a challenge in the country. It creates a sort of... Um, the difference between um, people that are in the upper cl class and people that are on the lower class. So that's the reality here. Hmm. Interesting. Wow, that's interesting. I, I understand at least what you're talking about with um, it being a difficult language because I had to learn it a bit for my studies and it is a beating. <laughs> so I agree, you have to grow up in it <laughs> to really appreciate or be able to handle yeah. it. Um, okay, so let's talk a little bit uh, about the economics and the government. So we talked a little bit about already actually about the economics with regard to uh, the tax and uh, the poverty that I think is largely, tragically, what people think of when they For think sure. of Haiti. And so is are there any other dimensions of the government and... Um, you know, just things going on with regard to that that people should be aware of that's going on? Or sure. is the tax yeah. kind of one of the I'll, main things? I'll let Dukins uh, chime in on the, the government side of it. I'll stay out on that side. Um, but as far as the the economy and, and the poverty of Haiti is the poorest country on the Western Hemisphere. Um, and uh, about 80% is under the poverty line. Um, and the average income is $2.50 a day. Um, so it is very, very hard to uh, make money in Haiti and to keep the job. And also of, of it's all of uh, a lot of the economy is trade. 
you know, and so it's market. And so um, it's really, really tough, especially too, if, if you break that down. And like Dukens was saying, with um, French being the prestigious language, um, the average education level is at an eighth grade level. Um, and so you kind of just have all these hula hoops that you have to jump through, if you will, in order to try to get to the next step, in order to try to get here, in order to try to better yourself in that sense. So it's really, really hard financially to get ahead, but also just to maintain and to mm-hmm. stay stable. So it's a, it's a very, very tough environment. Um, and then um, I'm sure as, as a lot of people know that are watching this, of that uh, Haiti does get a lot of government funding from a lot of different countries, at least it did in the past. Um, but because of past governments and how they've handled those funds, they're no longer getting that. Um, and so um, it's money is a very, very tricky thing in Haiti, simply because um, it is a scarcity in a lot of places. Um, and so you can say, hey, we're going to bring it here, and, and the government's supposed to do this with that there, and it actually never happens. And so there's this really big tension that starts to happen. Um, but um, in order to find, you know, at least in cap Haitian, um, I'm, I'm not too familiar with how it is in Port-au-Prince, but your best jobs are going to be at the airport, and, there's gonna, and they're going to be at the cruise port, and they're also going to be at a few of the restaurants that are there. Mm-hmm. Everything else is kind of, of a lot of entrepreneurship-type jobs that you're going to have to create. Mm-hmm. Dukins, what would you add? Yeah, I think that um, uh, Christian is saying a lot of things that are not only um, true for Capetian, they are true for Port-au-Prince as well. I mean, there is a lack of job and people that have uh, means in order to sustain their lives, to take care of their families. They have business, they invest, and people that are working in the airport, they have a little thing in the ports, uh, the port ship. So that is one of the, the source that people rely on in order to earn a living. And some of them, they do just the public market on the street. They sell things. So a very difficult situation. And now about the political situation, it's very bad. Mm. And uh, I think that we are in the worst period in our history. And Port-au-Prince becomes one of the um, most dangerous places in the Caraibs. And people are being killed on the street. There's kidnapping. And they're kidnapping people in their houses. And you can see in some videos on the street how the, the kidnappers, they stop their cars and get out and uh, take people and put in the car and just go with them as if it was something that was legal. Mm-hmm. And the police, they cannot even fight the gangs. And there are some places where people cannot even pass some roads that people cannot use. It's a very challenging situation in, I would say, all the aspects of the political realm, of the economic realm as well. So this is something that needs a lot of prayer. Mm. Yeah. 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 Wow. That's amazing that Mm. you stepped into that having graduated and went back, you know, and braved that in order to minister and yes, be... Yes, for some people, for some people it doesn't make sense. But when God calls you to do something, it may not make sense for people, but you just feel it and you... you God has a special way to plant in your heart what He wants you to do. And my wife and I, we believe that you can have peace, you can have joy when you are where God wants you to be, 
and when you are doing what he wants you to do. Mm-hmm. So this is why we came back to Haiti and the worst period in the history of the country. So we qualified for TPS, mm-hmm. but TPS is not the, the motivation because what is important is what is about God's kingdom, not our comfort. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. So let's... So with all of that kind of in mind with regard to what's going on and more about the country and even the semi-current state of of the country politically, economically, one other thing I think, and, and this will kind of turn us toward talking about the church and the state of the church in Haiti is what is the religious situation hmm. in Haiti? Are there, what are different religions yeah. that are there is it mainly christian is it mainly atheist what you know what what religions are you dealing with when you're ministering there christian yeah. uh well voodoo is a huge 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 uh religion in haiti and also it's a it's also a huge cultural practice um that it's so intertwined in the culture culture um that you're kind of brought up in it and you're going to the festivals and you're doing this and we're going to go to this voodoo ceremony without even really acknowledging what it is so that's a huge thing um that we're constantly up against and you can feel um that darkness over you as soon as you land. Um, and, and it's there all the time and, and you see the voodoo temples everywhere. Um, and so, uh, I was actually, um, in Haiti this past fall. Um, and we were in a village and there was a, the day of a huge voodoo, um, festival was my first one. Um, not being a part of, but we were on the way to the village and everybody was coming from it and just realizing of, oh my gosh, how big this actually is, how big this actually is. And, and, you know, if you actually look at um, Haiti tourism and things like that, they'll say, come to Haiti and see the voodoo and come experience it. And even at the cruise port, they have um, certain sections where you can come and, and see it. And, you know, and so it's a, it's a really big thing. And it's, uh, it's one of the things that quote unquote sells. Um, because it's it's very unique, um, but people don't really realize what they're they're dealing with, and also what we're seeing in the north is um, there's starting to be a big push of Islam uh, that is starting to make its way over to uh, the north, and there's a, a few mosques that are being built right next to us. So I mean, we're really having a huge um, battlefield, if you will, um, and if. Uh, it's a. It's also a norm to say that you're a believer, um, but it's really of. I'm a believer, but I also went to the mosque yesterday, and I'm going to go to the Voodoo Temple today. So it's one of those of what is an actual believer, and what are we actually dealing with? Okay. Dukins, is there anything you would like to add? Yeah, there's this kind of syncretism in the country. People that are believers, some of them still practice the Voodoo because it is kind of rooted in the culture, and people even say that it's our identity. And um, they say even if you are at the church, you can practice it. And this kind of syncretism is not only between the Vodou and all the rest. There's the same thing between the Protestant and the Catholic Church. Hmm. Because some people, when they don't go to church at all, they say that they are Catholic. And Catholic, even if they are not the majority, but they are very powerful in the country in the sense that they are influenced, um, politically speaking. Mm-hmm. They have a voice that the Protestant churches don't have. And uh, we we have the practice of the Catholic on one side 
and the practice of the voodoo on the other side. So they are kind of the same, and people testify that they practice both at the same time. But there's something that Christian say, said um, that is important to amplify. It's the idea that um, many people are Protestant, they are believers, but they still practice the other things. This is something that we have in the culture. People say that they are believers, but just by, by name. Mm-hmm. They don't live out the gospel. Because we have so many believers in Haiti. After 2010, they said that almost half of the population claimed to be believers. And in the half, we have the majority, we have the majority that were uh, Protestant and the minority Catholic. But uh, if we look at the situation in the country as a whole, we don't really see the impact of the gospel. So Mm -hmm. we have a lack in this sense. So we are not saying that the believers are the ones that need to change the country. But we are saying that we don't see how they impact the darkness that is prevailing in the country. And this is a big challenge. This is something that we pray every day for. And and I think that, that I have the opportunity to teach the new generation because they are the ones I believe that God will use in order to bring about a change in this area, um, in the area of putting into practice what we are learning, what we know. So put the action with the word. Hmm. Fascinating. So it's you have you have Islam and you have voodoo, which I want to come back to in a second. And then you have so in a different sense, you know, then you have syncretism <laughs> of those with Protestantism. And um, and then you also have cu- essentially cultural Christianity mm-hmm. that you're, you know, and and the, the mix in between and, and all of the different ways that that can be combined with regard to voodoo, just for those who are listening, who might not be very familiar with that religion, would that be the same as like an animism kind of religion? Or is it, is it its own distinct belief system? What does, what does, what is the voodoo religion? I mean, you don't have to practice it or anything, but for sure. can you guys just describe it? Dukins? Uh, the photo is a, a, a religious practice. And people associate the photo with uh, all kind of spirits. Okay. They say, those who are practicing the photo, they say that they are not bad spirits, they are not evil spirits. They are there just to make uh, good to people. And they can consider some trees as being inhabited, but by uh, evil spirit and they worship the tree and so in this sense it is kind of animism and they believe that there are some bad spirit that they need to call on call on the bad spirit in order to tell them what to do in order to let them know how uh, the situation will be for their family for example in december most of the time they have special ceremony in order to have the spirits tell them how will be the next year. And uh, people encourage even believers at the church in order to go to the bad spirits. Even if you are at the church, if some 
something happens, you don't know what is it exactly, you can either send someone for you or you mm -hmm. can go in order to know what is going on and to do what you're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. So it is something that many people are trying to, to make as if it was something that everyone in the country must practice. This is what they say. And in fact, many people do it. Even if they don't do it formally, mm -hmm. they do it in some respect in the way that they practice the gospel. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. God is a genius storyteller, and the evidence of this is threaded throughout Scripture. In Christianity Today's new show, Holy Curiosity, with me, Kat Armstrong, we explore storied connections threaded throughout Scripture from the Old Testament to the New. Our first miniseries, Connecting Dinah and the Woman at the Well, welcomes experts like Drs. Tim Mackey and Diane Landberg to give us insight and context into the physical location and meaning of these two stories. These stories will spark holy curiosity in your own faith, because once you see these connections, you can't unsee them. God wastes no person, place, or thing. Listen and subscribe to Holy Curiosity with Kat Armstrong on your favorite podcast platform. And to add on that, too, of, of uh, what we see a lot uh, in the village that we work with of uh, people are doing it for financial gain. You know, oh. so I'm going to pay this spirit in order that I get a lot more in return. I'm going to do this for this spirit in order that I can have um, more money in order that I can buy food. And so it's, mm -hmm. it's if you get down to the root of it, it's extremely heartbreaking of, you know, you talk to people of, why are you going to this? What are you doing with this for? Of, of what's the reason? And why well, I want money? I got to pay for my, my child's school fees. I have to pay uh, for the rice and beans. I have to do this. And so uh, they, they'll go to these links in order to have, um, I guess, an opportunity to be able to receive financial income if that were to come, right? And so um, that's what I've seen a lot of the motive is um, for the people in the more remote villages that we're working with um, of we just want financial gain, of we want to be able to have um, some money coming in. So how do you all address, so let's let's narrow in a little bit on at least those who say that they are Believers, <laughs> I get that that's 50%. <laughs> so that's not, but let, but let's go in on whether they or not they're, you know, what we might consider true believers or practicing believers or whether they're cultural Christians, those who you might end up speaking to about, you know, voodoo and encouraging them to live out the truth of the gospel and live in the power of Christ rather than in these other spirits. What do you say to them? What what is the way that the church in Haiti and you all as leaders there, especially Dukins, you are training leaders who are addressing this. How do you how do you com combat that mm. practically, theologically? What's yeah. what do you all say? Yeah. Okay. Um, one thing that I emphasize a lot is the connection with Jesus Christ first. This is my my starting point. I evangelize almost every day. I am hmm. in the gas station and the person that is serving me, I always ask, 
Do you have a relationship with Jesus or a personal relationship with God? That's the first question. Because if you ask them if they are a believer, they will tell you, oh yeah, mm -hmm. I am, or I go to this in that church. But when you ask them, do you have a personal relationship with Christ? This is a pertinent question. And sometimes they tell you the truth. If they are already believer, they will tell you, oh yes, I am. And I go to this church and uh, I am baptized. So they will tell you automatically mm -hmm. the reality of their spiritual life. Now, if they are not a believer, they will tell you all kind of things and give you some excuses in order to uh, stop the conversation. Mm -hmm. But okay, this is one, one point. Another point is to emphasize what does it mean to be in relationship with God. Mm. And sometimes I use the picture of adoption to explain that. I am adopted in the family of God. Let's say that I am, I was part of your family and now Christian um, adopts me. I emphasize the fact that you have some rules for your family. And Christian has some rules for his family. And given that I am changing of master right now, the new master requires me to live according to the rules of his household. And this is what we need to do as believers. We cannot live just like the other people. We cannot continue on practicing the voodoo things because now we are we don't belong to the same master we belong to another master now we will not live this way just to belong to the other master but we will live this way because we belong to the other master hmm. so that's the way i try to explain it in order that people may know that okay now i don't belong to the body it's not my identity my identity is in Christ. I am adopted by God, and I need to live the life of God right now. So this is one way that I explain it. Yeah. So especially, and I want to hear what you have to say too, um, but almost the idea that challenging, because from what you all have described with regard to voodoo, it's this idea that you have to give and try mm. to you know convince the spirits and, and all of that kind of thing. And so the, the gospel here represents um to a degree a, a measure of rest like you don't you like you said deacons like because we are you know in his household we act this way but we don't have to act this way so that we can be in his household that's beautiful that's beautiful <laughs> christian yeah, what would you i add? love that i i think what, what i say and what i add to it is is that the hope we have in the gospel of that Haiti is not our home. Though you may live here, though you may, your passport may say that you're Haitian, our citizenship is in heaven. And that is a global family and that people in the States, people in Jamaica, people in the DR that believe in Christ, we will all be in eternity one day together. And that, that, you know, if I'm very clear when explaining the gospel and explaining the life we have in Jesus, that there's, that does not mean all of your problems are going to go away. Mm -hmm. That, that, our organization, why not? We are doing a lot of things, but there's no way we're going to be able to fix all of the physical depravity that is in this world. That's not our job. Um, we can help alleviate some of it, but there's no way of, of we're doing this thing. And then three months later, we find out, oh, there's this other problem we got to solve. But you know that we can say of 
You can have all of these things. You can have all the money in the world. You can have all of these supplies. You can have the biggest house, all the cars. Um, but at the end of the day, if you're not eternally satisfied, then it doesn't matter. And to really to explain that a relationship with Jesus is enough, that Jesus is enough, that it doesn't matter at all what everybody else is doing. It doesn't matter what's happening in Port-au-Prince. It doesn't matter um, that you're living like this right now, the right now, but that Jesus will restore it all and that that is our hope and that that is the the hope we have in a relationship with him and that it doesn't matter how much money you have in your bank account. It doesn't matter uh, your education level, that Jesus loves you the same just as much as the next person mm-hmm. and that he died in order for you to have life with him um, regardless of what you've done. And so to really let them know the freedom that we have in Jesus and and the hope we have in that um, and just being transparent of that, it's not going to be perfect from here on out. You know, of, you know, of the prosperity gospel is really big in Haiti. Um, but to say of, hey, I, I want you to accept Christ and I want you to join the movement with us, but we can't fix everything. I, I wish I could give you this and I wish we could do this, but that's not the reality. But the reality is, is that you're going to know Jesus and that you're going to grow and you're going to be sanctified and that you're going to be with a body of believers and that that is so much better. That's so much sweeter than anything we can do as an organization than anything that the world can offer you. Um, and to really just let them know that uh, regardless of what the world says about Haiti, um, because we all see the news media, we all see the uh headlines of that God still loves you and that you're worthy and that you're valued regardless of what everybody else says. So I'm hearing some of the challenges that the Haitian church is specifically facing is syncretism uh, and uh, prosperity gospel gospel, and um, lack of sound teaching. Okay. Lack of doctrinal teaching. Are are there, what what other are there any other major challenges that the church seems to be facing right now? I, I, I think, mean, economic situation yeah, as well. I think the church, what a lot of, what a, one of the biggest things that we get whenever we're meeting with pastors is it's really hard to minister with people whenever uh, they're saying, well, you're saying all these things, but I don't have a house. You're saying all these things, but I don't have money for food. You're saying all these things, but I don't have money to put my kids in school. And so they say, Christian, in order to help us, proclaim the gospel more, can you give us some money in order that we can do this? And it's, that's a worthy ask. I get it. I understand it to an extent, right? I'm not Haitian. I've never, um, have grown up in that environment. Um, but it's one of those of, of that's kind of the blockage of you're saying all these things, but I need these things first. And to really get people to understand that we need spiritual health. We need spiritual uh, wealth, if you will, more than we need the physical things. And yes, the physical things are important. We can't ignore that, but that we have to address the spiritual first. Hmm. We have to address the spiritual of that. The gospel is our response to meeting someone's spiritual need, and the gospel is our reaction to meeting someone's physical need. And that we can't we can't separate them, but that the spiritual has to come first, and that's a relationship with Christ. Hmm. Interesting. Deacons, do you have anything to add? Yeah, this is a big challenge because when people come to the church, they expect the church to meet their needs, their material needs. Hmm. And uh, and sometimes you see that they are hungry and uh, you're obliged to do something. So it's a challenge because of the general state of the country. Um, The political situation affects the economical situation. And the economical situation of the country as a whole affects the church 
And many people come to the church not to feed their soul, but to feed their bodies because that's the place where they can address. At least that will give them ears to listen to what they have. When they cry to the government, when they protest on the street, they don't take care of that. They are being killed. They don't have uh, money to send their kids to school. They cannot uh, take care or feed their children. When they talk about these things, nothing is done. So they rely on the church in order to do something. Mm -hmm. And if they see that you come with some foreigners, some people from the USA, they have hope because they know that you will hand them something. Hmm. I remember that we went to the south after the earthquake of uh, August 14, mm-hmm. and we we went with some friends, some partners in the USA, in order to see what is going on, how we can come along in order to teach the population to build sustainability. But they did not care that much about these things. They wanted something concrete, just give them money. They say, okay, I understand what you are saying, but look, see where I am living. In the house, you see that it is broken. I cannot continue on living the way I am. So you need to give us money or you need to build us houses in order to stay. So this is a challenge because not many churches can address these needs. Even if the churches would have money, they could never satisfy all the needs. So this is a big challenge. Hmm. Fascinating. So in everything, we believe that the spiritual needs to come first because it will impact people's hearts. It will change people's hearts and minds. And that will affect their actions as well. And the progress will be evident in all the country. Hmm. So before, while we still have just a, a smidge of time, I do want to, <laughs> I don't want it to be all doom and gloom. I understand, you know, and I asked you the challenges. And so, you know, I, I, we want to hear the heavy things so that we as believers can be praying for mm. the Haitian church and, you know, hoping to address in any way that we can all help. What would you say are, I'm going to combine two questions that I had, but the, the victories of the church yep. that you've seen. Uh, and and or what does the Haitian uh, church, what do the Haitian believers have to offer their brothers and sisters around the world? Mm. The, the perspective, what do they have to teach us that we haven't learned yeah. or that we can't learn? Uh, Christian, let's start with you. Oh, sorry. Oh. Dukens, I'll, I'll close with you, Christian. Yeah, I think. The two biggest things that jump out to me are the first one is commitment, commitment of the Haitian church, the church that is actual believers is committed to Christ um, and they are committed to making him known and they are committed to serving him uh, regardless of if they don't have all the things to do that, right? Of they're going to make a way to do it. Of uh, we don't have a drum, but we have uh, water bottles. We don't have um, guitars, but we're going to make something else. And you know, or we don't have electricity, so we're going to do it right in the middle of the day. You know, and so they are committed, uh, and they don't make excuses for why they can't do this. Of oh, well, you know, we don't have a camera, so we can't go online. Of they they will make it happen. You know, and so I think the 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 thing that I admire about them is how committed they are to the Lord and to 
expanding the kingdom, um, but also just not making excuses of just getting it done of, of this is how it is. So we got to move forward, you know, and I think the second part on that, that I love is the community aspect of, um, one of the most beautiful things I'll, I'll never forget of my first time, uh, to Haiti. Um, we are in a, a youth service, um, and, uh, again, youth service. So it's all these kids. Um, and there's only a few chairs and I'm thinking, oh, okay, only like five or 10 kids are going to get a chair. Um, and they actually flip the chair on its side, um, so that a child could sit on the leg on each leg on the, the actual seat of it and on the back. So it's sat like six or seven kids. Mm. Um, of, and I just think that is a, one of the many examples of how they have each other's back of, even though we might not have much, I'm going to share it with you and, and i really break bread with my neighbor and really get to know my neighbor. Um, and that we're all in it together of, um, another thing of, of just to use that example of that, if you, uh, have a meal, right. Of, uh, especially of whenever we bring over missionaries of you give them a meal and it's like, Oh, that's going to feed one person. They share it with everybody. Um, and I just think of, of it is definitely a family mindset, a community aspect mindset of, of I want to include everybody that's around me um, and that no one gets left behind. So I think uh, the U S church, the Western church, the church as a whole can learn what real commitment looks like, but also how to actually love your neighbors and to serve your neighbors. Well, yeah. Dugans, what would you say? Yeah, I would say that, um, one thing is endurance and adversity. Mm. So even if the situation is bad, the kidnapping is bad, I would say it doesn't prevent. So they did not, they don't prevent people from going, going to the church. When you go to the street on Sunday, you will see a lot of people going to the church to worship that. And they go even to visit their brothers and sisters that are in difficult situation. So they have this endurance, and even if they don't have gas to put in their cars, some of them, they just walk. Mm-hmm. Even despite the gas crisis, they walk to uh, fulfill their duties at churches. And the other thing is a sacrificial effort in order to keep going, which is similar to the first one, in order to keep going, um, to keep running the race, and uh, when I'm saying that, I'm thinking about our students. When they come to the seminary, they cannot even find transportation to go back home, but they still come. Mm-hmm. And it is encouraging to see how they come from very far in order to uh, learn the word of God, to know more about God in order to share with other people. Because the idea is that when you know more about that, when you know better about him, you can serve him better. And they are trying to get this in order to go to tell other people to embrace the same spiritual mindset. So these are encouraging things. Yeah. Despite all the bad situations, yes. but these are things that we can cherish, we can praise God for. Mm-hmm. Well, we can. We could absolutely fill 35 minutes of the bad things with the American church. <laughs> so it's everywhere. We all have our, well, we all have our strengths and our weaknesses. So, gentlemen, I just want to thank you so much for your time and your willingness to be here and educate uh, those of us who are listening and just give us a chance to better understand our brothers and sisters in Haiti, better pray for them, better minister to them and equip them. So Dukins and Christian, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks so much. Thank you for having us. Thank you.
And we just want to thank you uh, who are listening. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, please be sure to follow us wherever you listen to podcasts and join us next time when we discuss issues of God and culture. Thanks for listening to The Table Podcast. Dallas Theological Seminary. Teach truth. Love well.